Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we talk about rainy days and play some quarantine games. We also spend some time chatting about a horror movie in isolation. It's time for a top three turf war. All right, we're back to a top three turf war. And this time it is very subjective. It is our rainy day cottage movies. Or if you're listening in the States, that's a vacation home or a cabin in the woods, that sort of thing. It's raining outside. You can't go down to the lake and you have to put on a movie or you want to put on a movie. So we have our picks for our favorite rainy day cottage movies. But the problem is, the problem, Ivana, is that this was the hardest top three turf war in years, like years for me to figure out. So I want to do my honorable mentions first really quickly and get them out of the way. You want to do your honorable? Okay, I'm going to do mine at the end. I have a, I honestly, so just so you know, I agree. This was a really hard one. Normally, I have a hard time putting things on my list. This time I had, I very quickly formed a list and I have like literally 10 here, a top 10. So uh, my honorable mentions are going to be seven more and I want to do them at the end. Okay. That's no problem. I just think these are so iconic in the rainy day category that when I give you my honorable mentions, you'll go, what the hell is on your top three? And that's why I want to do these. So uh, real quick. Stand By Me, The Goonies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Smokey and the Bandit, Meatballs, Clue, Arsenic and Old Lace, Caddyshack, My Cousin Vinny, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, Cabin in the Woods, Friday the 13th, and The Shining are all on my honorable mentions list. So they will not be in my top three. That's pretty amazing. Great list. I don't know what that lace one is, so we should just... Figure out what that movie is at some point. Just quick. What is it? What is it? Who's in it? Arsenic and Old Lace is an old uh, screwball comedy. And it takes place in a like a, a house with a giant storm outside. And it's just a comedy of airs. And it's Cary Grant being ridiculously funny and charming. And uh, yeah, it's just like all set in one setting, one night. And it's just madness. It's like a great Halloween movie. But I think it would also be a great cottage movie in the rain love it all right so why don't you kick us off with your number three on your list uh my number three is princess bride oh yes very nice very nice it's not on my list so princess bride is on my list because when it's raining outside and you have to spend the whole day in the cottage it makes you kind of want to hear stories and princess bride is a film that is also a story And it's kind of fanciful and it's just like, I don't know how to describe it. It is a rainy day. It's like, oh, it's raining. Now I'm going to cuddle inside with my like Princess Bride story. I mean, and and so many good quotes. We've talked about it so many times in the podcast. I'm not going to get too into this. (laughs) I mean, and even recently. um, But it's a movie that just reminds me of rainy days. I mean, it's it's about a kid who's homesick and gets a story. It's. Kind of the perfect you can't go outside movie. Exactly. And yet the whole movie, a lot, most of it is outside. Oh, well, of course. Absolutely. I, uh, I like that. I like the, the, the thought you put into why it made it into your top three. Um, and I, and I can't, I'm now I'm very, I thought that was going to be like number one on your list. So I, I'm, I'm shocked. It's number three. I'm very excited to hear what your number two and number one are. 
My number three is uh, probably not on your list, but it might be close to one that's on your list. And that is Evil Dead 2. On my honorable mentions. Good. It was it was on my list for like a minute. A minute. I went back and forth a lot about like, is it going to be the Evil Dead or is it going to be Evil Dead 2? Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2? And I was like, you know what? Not everybody loves the genuine horror and, and, and gags in uh, the first Evil Dead. So I was like, okay, you get a lot more fun, a lot more one-liners from Ash in Evil Dead 2. And that was my thinking. Yes. Exactly the same. I was like, Evil Dead 2 is just a little bit more fun. And That's I don't know right. about you, but like, I prefer, th- I want fun in my rainy day cottage movies. Exactly. And I wanted so badly when you're al- alone or even with your up, up with friends and you're stuck in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, people don't really know the area. I wanted a horror movie on this list. I wanted something that could elicit a, oh, okay, well, we're in a cabin in the woods. And Evil Dead is the ultimate cabin in the woods franchise. So I went with Evil Dead 2. Um, I think it's it's a great rainy day movie, especially it's one if it if it's dark outside because of the rain. A hundred, hundred percent. Such a good one. What is your, what's your second on your list? My second on my list, I think we talked about it somewhat recently, and it's The Big Lebowski. This is a quirky movie. It's a cult following kind of film. It's like a hangout movie a little bit. Exactly. It's a hangout movie. So you're with a bunch of people. You know, you don't know what to do. And it's also kind of like a crowd pleaser. I'm not going to lie to you. I cannot think of a single person who's like, I don't like the big Lebowski. I know some people who are like, I don't really get what the fuss is about, but they still enjoy the movie. And I think that that's where that one becomes a perfect thing to watch in the middle of the afternoon while it's raining. And you know what? You can make a couple of white Russians before you sit down to it. That's exactly it. Like you can have theme drinks. You can like laugh along. It's a little bit fanciful. It's definitely not a horror film, but I think it's like a daytime afternoon group watch. That's a great one. And I, I have a daytime afternoon watch as well as at my number two, because I wanted something that you could watch at any time during the day. And number two is Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Look. Look, look, I know a lot of people are going to go, why the hell is Dirty Dancing on Jay's list? I had never seen Dirty Dancing until a couple of summers ago, and I thought it was a lot more fun than I expected. The music is great, so you're going to have people who are singing along or getting up and like dancing a little in the cabin. You have a total environment of the Catskills Basically, you're in the woods and it's this uh, really fun class story where you get a love story. It's got some drama and it is for I think it's for everyone. I don't think it's exclusive to this is a chick flick or this is something that only certain people can like. I think Dirty Dancing is one of those great films that personifies summer has a lot of great music and anybody can get into. To be honest, I cannot tell you if I've ever actually watched like the whole thing like all, all the way through, but like my roommates in university really loved this movie, so I feel like oh, I've they, seen it, you know what I mean? They may have ruined it for you. It's just not my kind of movie. 
It's about dancing. It's about love. There's Patrick Swayze. There's Jennifer Grey. It's so cliche. I don't know. I'm just like not into this movie, but I respect that it's on your list. But I'm also like a little bit low key throwing some shade at you right now. Yeah, no, you're you're not low key about it at all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's your number one? All right. My number one. I think you're going to be a little bit shocked. It is uh, the 1989 Tim Burton Batman. Okay. I, I mean, this is cool that it's on your list, but why is it a cottage movie? Um, look, I think that the, the Bat- Tim Burton Batmans are, first of all, and I, I'm about to commit blasphemy, I think, to most of the planet. There are the best Batmans, period. Jack Nicholson is the best Joker. Michael Keaton is the best Batman. Not only is he a good Batman, but he's also a good Bruce Wayne. And there almost nobody can do both of those things. He's so good. I, I think the movie is spooky. You know what I mean? Like, it's yep. kind it's of got scary. An with, yeah. Yeah. Without being a scary movie. It's uh, also a comic book movie, which is really fun. I think it, a lot of people, you'll either have people who are like, oh, I've never seen it. Or you'll have people who are like, I haven't seen it in forever. And I think that it's a really good thing to revisit. And it's also really gray and dark, kind of like the rainy day. So ah. I think that... A lot of that movie, even though it's very much set in a city, it, it kind of like is just the perfect mood for that. You watch it right after sunset when it's starting to get dark, but it's not like dark, dark. I don't think you said anything so controversial there with the exclusion of Jack Nicholson being the best Joker. You got Joaquin Phoenix, who is the Joker, yeah. who people loved, and you've got Heath Ledger, who was an incredible Joker in The Dark yeah, Knight. Yeah, he was also a really great Joker. But I just think Jack Nicholson was a better Joker. See, because I, I think just, Jack Nicholson. I just think that's the controversial thing. I don't think people thinking these Batman movies are better is controversial. I think it's that one thing you just said about the Joker. I don't know if you read the comic when you were a kid, but sure. Jack Nicholson is the comic when you were a kid. Like, it's like he personified my actual imagination. He he didn't try to do something new with the character. He just was the character and there's something really powerful about that i really like the way you're standing by this this is uh pretty impressive and i think uh i think we might get some comments from our amazing audience uh on this i hope so you know what i welcome you guys can feel free to skewer me i know i deserve it (laughs) i know that i'm committing blasphemy i know everybody really loves the christian bale batman all of them and especially heath ledger as the joker i'm not gonna fight you i really like the 1989 batman it's one of the first superhero movies and it did so much for hollywood in a way that no superhero movie since has it. It gave us a soundtrack that was incredible. It gave us uh, an idea of who a superhero could be. And it was the first time we really elevated superhero movies, um, even more so than Marvel elevating them. Marvel gave us the the continuity and the and connected the universe. universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gave us that, Marvel, but really Batman did more for Hollywood than Marvel has. It was as big a film as Jaws was for blockbuster movies. Iron Man toys are not as big as the Batman merchandising was in 89. Like it was enormous, enormous. And even, even to this day, like when you think about a superhero movie, you, you often do think like, well, what about that 89 Batman? It's not my favorite on screen Batman, to be honest. 
Who's um, who's your favorite Batman? My favorite. He's my favorite favorite Bruce Wayne is Michael Keaton, but my favorite Batman movie period is Batman Begins, not The mm-hmm. Dark Knight. As Batman Begins. Because as a film, I actually just think it's like it follows fear and the nonlinear storytelling is is one of the better nonlinear storytellings from Christopher Nolan. I'm not a Christopher Nolan like purist that I have to be like, oh, he's so amazing. But I found that was one of his better times using the nonlinear. Mm-hmm. Unbelievably, I just watched a, a film called Before the Devil Knows You're Dead by Sidney Lumet. And it did the nonlinear storytelling so well that I, I I almost wrote in my review, Christopher Nolan could take some notes. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> you just dropped the gauntlet. <laughs> so what I'm saying is I'm not like a, a, a Nolan always fanboy. I'm not like sitting on my on my hands <laughs> waiting for Tenet to come out and be like, blow my mind, Mr. Nolan. I am not that guy. But I, I Batman Begins is my favorite. We have talked a lot about Batman. We are not going to talk a lot about my number one. It is the great outdoors and it is the perfect rainy day movie because it's all about the great outdoors. It's John Candy being John Candy and he's amazing, which I think for a family friendly film, if John Candy's in it, it's going to be great for everybody. People are going to laugh. They're going to they're going to love it. Kids are going to love it. And then you get Dan Aykroyd as this complete jackass brother-in-law who is fantastic as Roman Craig. Can I ask a question? I've never seen this movie. I looked it up on IMDb and it, the poster is Dan Aykroyd and he's holding um, like a, a fishing rod and and John Candy is like hanging from it like the fish. Yes. Is it one of those movies where John Candy is uh, lovable but he always screws up? And he screws everything up for Dan Aykroyd, who's like the straight man. No, Dan Aykroyd is the the jerk screw up that is screwing John Candy's family. He basically hijacks John Candy's family vacation. He shows up uninvited and he inserts himself in and he's like a big, rich playboy who's like, no, we're having lobster, not hot dogs. We're renting a speedboat, not a pontoon boat like he's he's a show off. And he 100% like starts to ruin the vacation almost immediately. It does feel very Canadian. And I have great memories of going up to a cottage every summer with my family. And it feels like that. That's kind of fun. I I, I like the concept of it. It's John Hughes. uh, And he and I find when he's not doing stupid uh, high school movies, he's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is. I think John Hughes produced and Howard Deutsch directed. He wrote I'm, it. He wrote it. Yeah, he yeah, wrote yeah. it. He wrote it. Yeah, and it is like sort of that vignette style. Like if you fell asleep on the couch watching it, you'd wake up and something else funny would be going on. And it's an easy viewing experience. And every nice. time I go camping, I have to put it on. Even if we're camping in a tent, uh, we put it on if it's raining or we. You know, maybe by the fire, like if we're just relaxing, we'll have a tablet open and watching the great outdoors. I mean, it was made in 88 and it looks it seems to me like it's like a commentary on like the 80s. um, Like, look at how rich I am, like consumer culture. almost. John Candy is 100 percent the everyday man. And we've got uh, we've got Dan Aykroyd, who's like 
the rich guy. They both look like that. You know what I mean? Like uh, yes. Dan Aykroyd believably looks like a guy who's like interested in money and fueled by money. And like John Candy looks like a guy who's like lucky to be middle class and just like is like happy with that. You know, he's like, he's oh, yeah, very happy. with. I'm that. very he, lucky to be middle class and not have to worry. And, and I don't want too much more than what I have. He's just up there to give his kids an experience that he had with his father. And that's what he wants to do. And of course, Dan Aykroyd will not let that happen. (laughs) (laughs) So those are my three. We know your three. We got to make a top three. What are we going to do? These are very different movies, by the way. These are extremely different movies. Okay, Can I just can I just like request that Dirty Dancing is not on the list? That's fine. Dirty Dancing doesn't have to be on the list because, again, it's not going to appeal to everybody. So let's put movies on that will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think Batman appeals to everybody. I'm down. Let's put Batman. I also think The Great Outdoors, even just thematically, should 100% be on that list. Totally. It's it's definitely there. The last spot, I mean, I know we haven't talked about order, and let's do that at the end, but the last slot either goes to Princess Bride or... Or Evil Dead 2. I kind of would... I think I want Evil Dead 2 on that list. I feel like Evil Dead... You need a horror movie if it's a rainy day at the cottage. Exactly. And not only that, I mean, it is the... Ca- like, it's like the Cabin in the Woods it's movie. It's the perfect Cabin in the Woods movie. 100% is. Yeah. Okay. I, I totally agree. All right, so that's in our number three spot, Batman or Great Outdoors. Right, exactly. Which one is better for the number one spot? I mean, is it is it Great Outdoors because it's outdoorsy or or is it Batman because it's like both spooky and like a big superhero film? Hmm. And like kind of like it like almost looks like the cloud of a rainy day. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. And we didn't specifically say this was if it was raining inside yeah. so i think batman is a better like if it's raining outside it's like number one yes okay I, yeah okay it's i like dark, that yeah it fits it the fits. great outdoors okay. is a little lighter there's there's a lot of outdoor excitement yeah still a great it's almost like if you had a triple header you start the day in the mid-afternoon by watching great outdoors yes then you move to batman in the like dusk after dinner portion of the evening. And then the kids go to bed and then you pull out evil dead Two. evil dead Two, And then that's what you end your night with. I think that that's the perfect day. Yes. Like in terms of like you're at a cottage and it's been raining. That is perfect. Why don't you kick us off Ivana? Number three, evil dead Two. Number two, the great outdoors. And the number one, Best movie to watch while it's raining at a cottage. Tim Burton's Batman. I love that like we we call these cottage movies, but our neighbors to the south may not. It's like it's the lake house or I'm going to the lake house. Yeah. Or, or yeah, the lake house or the or the the house, the the cabin, the whatever. And you're totally right, because whenever we talk with our American friends about the cottage, they actually, they'll like start making fun of us. They'll be like, oh, are you going to the cottage? Oh, the cottage. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hit me with your honorable mentions. All right, I'm going to do the list really fast because like I said, there's There's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. And this is in order. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Get out. Evil Dead 2. Wedding Crashers. Clueless. Zombieland. Star Wars. We had no crossover. We did one, Evil Dead 2. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. 
Like that's it. That like that's crazy that we yeah. had zero crossover. This is how subjective this list is, and I'm so glad we picked it because this is going to help so many people. Because guess what? It's raining tomorrow, and people I bet are in lake houses. Yes, <laughs> up at the vacation home. Yeah, at the lodge. (laughs) It's been like a week since we've chatted, like in, you know, real time, not just texting Jay. Yep. I started listening to a really cool new audio book, and I feel like you need to you need to listen to this thing. Okay, hit me. It's called White Fragility. I actually don't know the author's name like off the top of my head. She is a a person who she she teaches like... um, racial awareness courses like to to businesses and stuff and she is that's uh robin d'angelo thank you and uh she's white and um she just like i think that that's i hate to say it but like in some ways i think that her saying to white people like look i know why you feel this way when we talk about race but we have to do it anyway and trust me it's not like no one's blaming you or saying you hate other races but you cannot run away from this thing and i don't know if it's a it's a bad thing that she's white like jane elliott is white and she acknowledges that the human race you know started in africa and our pigmentation changed over the years based on geographic location yeah you know she's white and she does that Blue eyes, brown eyes exercise. So so why shouldn't a white person tell us about white privilege after all of her accumulation of understanding racism? Yeah, that's true. You know, white people have tried to shut the fuck up and to listen a little bit. And this is an example, I think, where similar to um, Jane, where I think you can th- that perspective is is almost like helped because there's an, a level of deep understanding on her part like she knows why people feel this way it's a really great book I'm, I'm listening to the audio version of it I honestly I just think it's so good it's so good everyone should listen to this book like go to the library all you have to do is download the overdrive app and then it's free you might have to wait for a couple months like I did for it to come into your inbox but it's worth it and and then you can listen to it for free so that would be my recommendation I literally just bought it on uh, Google Audiobooks. So I will Ooh. I will start listening to that and we can have some more important conversations that um we as white people and as allies need to need to have. Yeah, exactly. Like I I feel like this should almost be mandatory learning in classrooms. I mean, I think it's really great that you're sharing this with me. I'm the world right now, uh we're recording on a on a Saturday and we're we're mourning the loss of John Lewis. A huge towering figure of civil rights. He just passed away at 80. So it's it's awesome that we're sharing these stories and we're we're having this today. Yeah, like and I, I think it's really it's really sad that John Lewis has passed. But obviously, like he w- was such a huge figure in advancing black rights and, and human rights and and just he did a lot of good from the world all the way from when he was really young and he stood with Martin Luther King all the way to the day he died. He is like a hero. I'm going to get back to you after I after I listen to a couple chapters. We can have a little text back and forth on on what we've learned. Love it. These are some quarantine games. I decided that today we would take almost like a purity test. Oh, awesome. Um, for lack of a better word. <laughs> But like not a sexual one. This is one like 
did you grow up as a teenager, like in a movie? Like how much of a cliche is your actual life? <laughs> I love it. I think that's awesome, especially because you and I both absolutely love teen movies. Now we love teen movies. I'm just reading this and it says it's like 53. So we got to go quick. Yeah, we got to go quick. We're going to read them and, and we're going to say if we've done it and or no, if we haven't. And we're, we're just going to go like rapid fire. And for everyone playing along, you can absolutely play along with us because you'll be able to say, have you experienced these things while you were a teenager? Or maybe you're a teenager right now. Or maybe you're not yet a teenager. I mean, I don't know that this is the best podcast for like people who are not yet a teenager, but like, welcome. Welcome yes, to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for finding us and listening. This can become your like teenage bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So these are kind of like a never have I ever, ever scenario. Totally. We're going to okay. say a number of things. Have you done it? Did you not do it? They're all like coming from like cliches you've seen in teen movies. I love it. I love teen movies. So can I start us? Yeah. So number one, snuck in or out of the house in the middle of the night through your bedroom window. I nope. have never done that. Never. Put pillows under your sheets to make it look like you were in bed when you've snuck out. Not when I've snuck out. No. N no, never. Uh, I want to hear your story. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just did it one day. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to trick my mom. <laughs> thrown a huge party while your parents were away hell yeah no not me they never went away they're eastern european <laughs> ivana's been to many of those parties oh yeah <laughs> gone to a huge party while someone's parents were away yes sir absolutely dated or hooked up with someone in your friend group yeah. 100% yeah dated or hooked up with more than one person in your friend group yeah Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Skipped <laughs> breakfast and gone to school, even though a full meal was laid out on the table. Never. Sure. Really? I think I've done that. I'm pretty sure. Full meals on the table? Wow. Went to a, tw a tw 21 and over club for those in Canada, you know, like 19 and over or in um, Quebec, 18 and over. I did it when I was 19 or over, but I never did it when I was young. Oh, I did. I totally did. I had a fake ID. Went to a 20 plus club more than once. Oh, of course. Went to a 21 plus club on a kind of regular basis. No, not me. Again, I waited until I was of age to do these <laughs> things. Uh, re received the same text message at the same time as everyone else in school. Uh, no, I did not have a cell phone in high school. But you did. Yeah, but no, because I don't think I, I don't think that there was like blasts. I don't think there was actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Went to a school where cheerleaders wore their uniforms on a daily basis. No, but we had a Catholic uniform. So it was sort of like a cheerleader kilt. Nope, not not my school. Went to a school that had a student lounge or someplace for students to hang out. I, I did have that. Oh, no, not my school. Oh. Lost your virginity on prom night. Oh, we're getting personal oh, here. I didn't go to my prom. Uh, I went to multiple proms, but no, no, never did I do that. No, neither <laughs> did I. Broke up with your significant other on prom night. I, I, I broke up with her because of prom, but not on prom night. Oh, that doesn't count. And yeah. no, I've never broken up with anyone on prom night. Got engaged or married before graduating. No, absolutely no. not. Got Weird. engaged on prom night. No. What? No, I've never <laughs> even seen that in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
had a friend get engaged or married before graduating. No. No. Where is what this is from? this craziness? Went to a school where there was a website or app just for anonymous gossip about students. 100%. No, no did not have that. Really? We have, oh, we totally had that. Who was making the websites back then? Like nobody had a GeoCity site that they were sharing. <laughs> My school, we had, yeah, this was a big thing. Big thing. It caused a lot of drama. <laughs> Been in a love triangle. I think so. Yeah, I think, I think I so. For sure. Been in a love triangle with your best friend. Mm, uh, no. No, no, no. No. Uh, no, no. You're my best friend. That would be really revealing if I was. <laughs> <laughs> but not at that time because we didn't know each other in high school. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Because, right. you know, <laughs> maybe it <laughs> happened after high school. No, of course it didn't. Uh, okay, your turn. Spent a whole Saturday in detention with other students. No. 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 It was not a thing in Canada. Had a pregnancy scare. Nope. Okay. Got pregnant or got someone else pregnant. Nope. Nope. Had sex at school. No. No. Well, wait, like when you say at school, do you mean like in the building? In the building, or I would say on the grounds. You could have done it on I, like the football I field will, or whatever. I will check it off then. Oh, during well, high school? I, yeah, because like, you know, I had a car and we needed to find places to go. So, oh, you know, between shit. the portables. <laughs> did you did you have sex in high school? Yeah, it was my last year. OAC year. Okay, okay. Not with somebody from my high school, just in high school. Just in that, in, in that time, yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm still enough. in high school. Went to a school where the football captain and the head cheerleader dated. No idea. I have no idea who the football captain was. Honestly, me too. <laughs> that wasn't a big deal. I mean, we made a cheerleading squad in my like last year of school because we wanted to have cheerleading uniforms, but there wasn't like, I mean, there was a head because there was one girl who like knew how to cheerlead. None of us did, but I don't think that counted. No, I don't think so. Especially because you don't know who she dated. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Been stuffed into a locker by a bully or seen someone get stuffed into a locker? Absolutely. Never at all. That never happened in my school. I cannot believe that that that, that actually happened to you. Seen stuffed. All right. Dissected a frog. I did dissect a frog. No animal dissection on for me. No. Fell in love with a bad boy from the wrong side of the tracks. Well, I have a story for you. (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna have to say uh i think that my high school boyfriend like um like my my serious high school boyfriend i think you could call him a bad boy i don't know about the wrong side of the tracks but like he was definitely a bad boy i'm gonna say yes uh cheated on your so with their friend uh no no i never did that no me neither had an so cheat on you with your friend no yeah totally sucks during high school uh oh yeah that's right i forgot it was during high school so no not during high school good uh dated or hooked up with your friend's ex nope nope my uh my buddies didn't date in high school so i never had a like a friend's ex to date uh i don't know if i ever hooked up with anyone who was like uh like or dated like a, a an ex ex but definitely like people who have hooked up with people than me and that per- yeah like i'm just gonna say yes yeah dated or hooked up your friend's sibling yes 
I in during high school. I don't think I did. Oh. You got to hit that. Yeah. Had a friend date or hook up with your ex? For sure. Yeah. Had a friend date. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. That yeah. happened. Uh, had a friend date or hook up with your sibling? Uh, not in high school. N- no. Yeah. Me neither. No. Almost didn't graduate because you almost failed one class. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think no, I, was I was always going to graduate. Like good student. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, formed a band with your friends. No, but I, I kind of wanted to. Like I always wanted to do that. <laughs> but I didn't no. play an instrument and I couldn't sing. So it didn't happen. I'm not that into music. So no. Participated in or witnessed an unexpected musical number at a school. Flash mobs count. That'd be so fucking cool. No, but that would be so fucking cool. They were, they were always very expected. Uh, wrote someone else's paper for money. No. No, nobody would come to me for that. Never. You? No, 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 no. Again, I, I was a good student. Paid someone to write a paper for you. No. Me neither. You? No. Yeah crazy uh had it had it got a total makeover that resulted in you becoming popular no no i don't N- think so no me neither i don't think so drove a convertible no in canada no no but <laughs> i will say that i spent like my childhood wanting nothing more than when i turned 16 to be able to drive one of those jeeps that share drove oh like, yeah i always wanted one with like no doors yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly it. My nephew drives one without doors. Oh, and he lives in this bastard. building. And I get to see his Jeep parked in the parking lot. And I'm like, put your damn doors on, man. Someone's going to break in there. <laughs> Gave up going to your dream school so that you could stay with your SO. No way. <laughs> no way. Went to a high school that's cafeteria seating was arranged by clicks. Yeah. I mean... It was, but that's just resulted of like your friends sitting with your friends. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we didn't hang out too, too much in the cafeteria and, and people sat in different places all the time. So I'm going to say no. I feel like okay. even though we had a clique, it wasn't like it wasn't like that. Went to a school where an unexpected person won prom queen. No idea. I did. I don't know who won prom queen. I went to five proms and at no point were there any prom kings or queens. Nice. Maybe that's an American thing. I think or so. Or a teen movie thing. I think it's American. Skipped school to hang out with friends. Totally. Yes. Had a secret relationship. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> Had your parent date your teacher. That would be awkward. No, that did not happen. Yeah, my parents are still together. Absolutely not. <laughs> Snuck into school in the middle of the night. Ah, uh, no. I always, always, always wanted this to be a thing. But no, I, w- I would have been so afraid of going to the jail. So no. <laughs> <laughs> Made or received a big public romantic gesture. Uh, not in public, no. No, absolutely not. Those are not cool. Ended up becoming best friends with someone you hated. No. Nope. Overheard someone talking shit about you in the bathroom while you were in the stall. No, I wasn't. Uh, I, I wasn't on people's tongues very often. I never overheard it. 
People talked shit about me for sure, but I got it on the back end. You know what I mean? Ran for student body president. Nope, not me. Not my... I I ran for vice president, but I guess that doesn't count. That counts. I'm going to say that counts. Okay, I'm going to do that. All right, let's show us the results. Oh, what'd you do? I checked 15 out of 53 on this list. Somewhat of a teen cliche. Me too. Some of the things that happened in your teen years overlapped with the tropes on TV. Your high school experience wasn't super wild, but you definitely had your moments. Me too. I am also somewhat of a teen cliche with 18 out of 53. And do you have Beverly Hills 90210, Jeff? Oh, yeah. I got 94. I checked off more than 94% of quiz takers. Oh, wow. Okay. You checked more than 88% of quiz takers. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting that we had such a a teen cliche. cliche. (laughs) (laughs) It's Film Freaks. Chatter for the film fan and all of us. This week, we asked you to watch The Lodge, a horror film that centers at a home seemingly in the middle of nowhere. The story opens with Alicia Silverstone, a mom who is totally going through some things. Her husband met a younger woman and left his family for her. And then soon after this, Alicia Silverstone graphically commits suicide on camera. Living with their father now, he insists the two kids, Aiden and Mia, join he and Grace at their family lodge for Christmas. Aiden screams at him that he's crazy and that everything is Grace's fault. But still, the kids go up to the lodge where the father leaves for work for several days, leaving Grace in charge. By this point in the story, we've seen a little bit of a glimpse into Grace's past. She was the sole survivor of a religious cult after a mass suicide, an event she has been trying to move past with the help of the kid's father. Right. This is about the first half of the film, so we just want to remind you that if you want to see this movie, because it's a 2020 film, spoilers come ahead. They're pretty, like, break the movie spoilers. So again, if you want to see this movie, maybe just skip to the end for this time and come back to this segment when you've seen it. Okay, so now you've been warned, and while watching John Carpenter's The Thing... At the lodge, Mia is cold and asks for a gas heater in the living room. They put the gas heater in the room and everyone falls asleep watching TV. When they wake up, everything has gone missing. The power is off. The date on the calendar has advanced to after Christmas, January 9th. More importantly, Grace's medication is missing. Aiden tells Grace he had a dream that they all suffocated and died. It's getting colder, and more and more signs point to the three lodgers being dead from carbon monoxide poisoning. Grace decides to take matters into her own hands, hallucinating of her dead cultist father. She tries to go for help on her own in the cold winter snow. But after wandering for a while, she just winds up back at the lodge. The kids who have now accepted their deaths after finding a news printing of their obituaries begin praying for repentance so that they can leave purgatory, the place that they believe they are in, and the place they feel their mother's spirit is based on their Christian beliefs. Aiden even hangs himself to prove that they cannot die 
further. This is the tipping block for Grace as she recedes deeper and deeper into madness and starts to repent based on her father's cult beliefs while continuing to hear her father's voice. Realizing Grace's madness, the kids reveal that they actually made this whole thing up. They're not actually dead. The camera really reveals all of the... The camera reveals that all their belongings are hidden in an underground storage area, and they try to restore the power, but no avail. Grace, however, has accepted the lie, and she kneels on hot coals as repentance, accepting that she is indeed dead and in purgatory for her sins. The kids hide in the attic as Grace continues to hurt herself, and that's when their father arrives back home, just in time to witness that Grace has a gun to her head. She pulls the trigger, but the chamber is empty, only solidifying that she can't die because she's already dead. She points the gun at Richard, pulls the trigger, and it kills him instantly. Shocking. The final scene sees the kids sitting at the kitchen table as Grace sings a religious hymn. Their father is slumped on his chair. Bloody as fuck. Grace moves behind the kids, placing a piece of duct tape over each of their mouths with the words sin on it. Placing her hands on their heads, clearly about to finish the suicide pact that she started as a girl with her cult family. And then we go to black. So it's really quite a story. It's a lot of twists, a lot of turns. Ivana, what are your thoughts on this story? I mean... I loved it. I loved it. It is exactly like if you want a psychological horror movie, this is it. It's slow. It's atmospheric. Um, and it's scary. And and it has just the perfect amount of violence. Like when it's violent, it doesn't brace. Like you don't get to brace for it. It just hits you like that. I uh, I think there is a lot here to enjoy. The acting is amazing from everybody, especially the little girl when she's going through the trauma of understanding in her brain that because her mother committed suicide, she's in purgatory and she's never going to see her mom again. Like that is like it's brutal. Um, It's a great setup. The shifting plot worked at at like the one hour mark. I was like, oh, they're dead. I get it. They're dead. They're going to slowly reveal this like the others. And then I was like, oh, wait, they found out that they're dead too quickly. That's not going to be it. And then it, and I'm like, Oh, they must've like, they're, they must be screwing with her. So, or like, this is her father's plan to like, let her face her, her. I don't know. I don't know at this point. So that stuff worked really well. The shifting plot and every uh, turn uh, with that said, like I'm not giving it the full on praise that you are, because to be honest, This new formula of horror doesn't really do it for me. I have a hard time actually connecting with this stuff because it moves very slowly. And like I said, it took about 50 minutes to even figure out what the movie was going to be. And so that to me was like, man, where are you going? Like you're plotting, you're plotting. And I, I have a hard time with these. Like, I didn't like The Witch for that reason. I didn't like... Um, I also, actually, you know, I didn't like The Witch either. Hereditary, I, I do sort of like. I like Midsummer way more. But I feel like Midsummer continues to drive home new things the whole yeah. way through. And I, and I kept on waiting for, like, what's the new shift? Now, 
That said, after that 50 minute mark, there is a lot that happens. See, I, I think that this movie is, it, first of all, I don't think that you can watch this movie without thinking about Ari Aster, like yes. full stop. Like, 100%. It's like this almost could have been an Ari Aster movie. And it it's very similar in in the sense of like the way that it does the violence. Like they even had a moment where the little girl had her doll outside of the window with the head. And it reminded me of that scene in Hereditary with the sister. So this is obviously like very Ari Aster, which I don't know if that makes it good or bad because he's new on the scene and this is clearly like he created a style and like he sure did. It's almost strange to see someone else direct a movie that just feels like he could have directed it. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but I still loved it. Like, I I still thought it was great. And I think that this movie for me moved it's not as good as midsummer like midsummer or midsummer i don't know how you're supposed to say it that movie is better than this movie i think he did it really well but i think that this movie is similar to that in the sense that to me it kept shifting what it was about like in the beginning it was a bit more of a commentary on religion and maybe how it can potentially be damaging for people but then then it turned into like, oh, they're dead and they're in purgatory. And then it turned into, okay, they're not dead. And it was all actually like a setup. And you can kind of see that the kids had planned it all when the dad is in the house and he sees the like hanging with the dollhouse and everybody That's right. like, yeah, toppled yeah. over and everything. Which is a great little plot device for what's going to come. It's a great way to foreshadow what it, what is going on in the dollhouse at home is what is going on. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere, I I really dug that idea. I thought Alicia Silverstone's death at the beginning was like amazing, amazing. and also just shocking, but but in a way that was like, oh wow, holy crap! Okay, so this is not her film. This is the kids' film. I almost got a little of the visit because they were there with Grace alone, which also like, hey, father of the year, like you're an idiot. You're just an absolute terrible person. He's the worst father. Like, I feel like, and that's the other thing is like, I think there's like this element of like sins of the father. Like there's so much religion, like in this movie, I feel as though it was written by people who grew up as part of a religious family and no longer believe in God. I think so too. That's a great, great way to say it. I, I genuinely like, I'm not faulting the dad for falling in love with somebody else. I am faulting you for falling in love with a patient and still somehow like you've you've got your therapy gig. Yeah, he wrote an entire book about her and exposing this cult like he did all this research on this cult, wrote an entire book about it and then got involved with the sole survivor. And you don't know that she has medication because. Well, I think he does. I think he knows. I think he just trusted the medication, but he didn't well, take she's an hiding it from him, though. Oh, shit. I missed that when he's leaving. She hides it behind her back. And I'm like, well, isn't that your doctor? Like, shouldn't your doctor know if you're trying to get better, which she seems to be trying he to get obviously, better. Obviously, I don't know if he's a doctor. I think he might be like. um Maybe he's like a book writer. Uh, yeah, like a, like a journalist or something. Journalist, he, yeah. Could be something like way, that. It's he like, got involved with the subject. He's involved with the subject, for yeah. sure. And like the fact that obviously. Alicia Silverstone killed herself because he left her for this person. And then he wants to persist in the relationship and for his kids to like have to get to know 
the girl that he left their mother for who then committed suicide because of that like it's he's he's it's so messed up like the and, idea and it's of not what even, he did it's not even that it's the it's the forcing together like yeah we're gonna go to our family lodge where we have all these memories and i'm bringing this woman who you clearly blame and then I'm going to leave and then I'm going to leave you with this complete stranger who you already don't like and do not trust as a way to push you guys together. That w- that to me was like, you can't be serious that you're going to leave. I feel like it's his fault. You know, like this whole entire movie, it's his fault. You know, he got his children killed. He drove his wife insane like he and his selfishness and when you think about it you even have grace who is uh played by riley keo i don't know how to yeah. say her name no i'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce her name um and and she's clearly tormented by her own father so i feel like the, this movie is also saying a lot of things about like fathers and how they can like ruin you for the rest of your life and their decisions have a and, lot and then you have these kids who have gone through a lot, but mm-hmm. are the absolute worst children in the world to make someone think they are dead, who they know is unstable and to find a recording of her father to put in a Bluetooth speaker so that she hears it throughout the house. Was yeah, like that was messed diabolical. up. Diabolical. But like, okay, to go to their defense, though, they're very young. I don't think that they realized that she's mentally unstable. Like, I I honestly do think that that was something that they took her pills, but they probably didn't think what the pills really were doing for her. And I think that they, I mean, if I thought that she killed my mom, I might also be brutal to her. Do you know what I mean? Like, think about being like that young and thinking this woman killed my mom, essentially. Yeah, I I can. I, I don't know how they pulled off what they pulled off, though. Like, it's, Yeah, I mean, like, I would not have been able to pull off something like that. Like, clearly they drugged her with the tea yeah. so that they could get everything downstairs. Yeah. I mean, they are nasty to her from, from the get-go. 100%. The father seems oblivious to the fact that he is putting his children in pain i just don't think he cares i think he only cares about himself yeah he's a selfish twat yeah a hundred percent so the the religious themes i thought were excellent because the religion that she is trying to get away from is obviously a cult christianity offshoot but this family lodge is very rooted in christianity i I think that also is like such an interesting aspect of it is that you have yeah this this woman who was part of a horrible cult and then you have this family where obviously the mother Alicia Silverstone was very religious and she brought her children up with religion the father seems to be like agnostic yeah he doesn't believe he believes in something but it's not necessarily religion like because he's not bothered by religion at all he seemed to sort of be like yeah okay religion's her thing yeah and he's so selfish and like narrow-minded to only his own needs that they're in the lodge together and he looks at riley and he's like oh 
do you want me to get rid of that cross? Like, I forgot you don't like religious things. Yeah, I mean, just get rid of it, man. Like, don't don't even think about twice about asking, are you okay with it? Like, just take it down and get it out of there. It, it's just, it's messed up. That weird, like, painting of, like, Mary. It really felt like purgatory. Like, it felt like when... It could when have you, been purgatory. That's yeah, right. Like yeah, like, if you were dead and you were in purgatory, this would be like purgatory. Because purgatory feels still cold, never-ending, well, and one like of the doom and dread. One of the cool things was, was once I decided that they were dead in my mind, before they started recognizing they were dead, I was like, well, if they're dead, now they're susceptible to anything that happens after death. So we might see some really insane imagery of stuff that's happening after death. Yeah. So when they're looking through, looking down the hall and a door opens up or, or, you know, Aiden is hiding behind grace. I genuinely was like anything could happen right now. I had this weird sense that like we would have the dad coming back and you'd have like almost glimpses of him coming through their oh, totally. purgatory. I thought it was going to be, be like, like the others. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and it, so that was kind of cool. I, I completely agree with you. It had a very like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Can I just mention, because yeah, yeah. your description, there's like this one shot of a hallway and then that door closing. That was cool. That was like one of my favorite shots in the entire movie. <laughs> just like, it was so ominous. I don't know what was going on at night in this lodge. Was there anything happening? The kids seemed to think that she was... Maybe sleepwalking? I think she sleepwalks. And yeah, I think that that's what was happening the first few nights is I think she was sleepwalking and kind of blacking out because she'd wake up and she'd be like on the floor and like not remember. And then you'd have these times where she was like playing music like downstairs. And she seemed to be haunted by her father in in the nights. And I didn't know if that was like, well, originally I kind of thought it was Alicia Silverstone. I thought like it's going to be the ghost of Alicia Silverstone. That's what I thought. When they first got to that cottage, I was like, oh, haunting movie. And that's that's what I mean is like as I went through the movie, I was like, oh, this is a haunting movie. Oh, they're dead. Oh, they're like every time you made a prediction, your prediction was kind of wrong. I mean, not every time, but I just want to say to you, the audience, hopefully, yes, you are going to watch this movie and actually like, you know, we're not crushing your dreams because you stuck around past our spoiler warning. But. When we are saying these things like, oh, it's a haunting movie. Oh, they're dead. Oh, I get it. I get it. This is not to us diminishing our enjoyment of the film. In fact, it makes it better sometimes. When we're along with the story in this way, it, may, it makes the film going experience a little bit more fun. And, and in a film like this, to be honest, for me, I needed a little bit of those moments because I was like, what is happening? Why are you so plotting? I, I like the plotting. I think I really enjoy this new kind of like elevated kind of horror film that are just these small stories that are very real. That was the coolest thing about this. In the end, none of it is at all, even a little bit, supernatural. None of it. Nothing like, it, was this supernatural. This could happen in real life. Yeah. Which has something to say about purgatory. It has something to say about death. It has something to say about the the mother committing suicide. Like it has 
at the end of the day, none of that shit mattered. It was literally someone's emotional break because people messed with somebody with mental illness. And and also like the trauma that we lived through, like can like how much does our child like it explores this concept of like does childhood trauma like follow you? Can you ever really Escape get over it. it? That's right. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was thinking about films like M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit, where, you know, you think they're monsters the whole film, but really it's a film about mental health that continues in this film. And I think this is a better one of those plotting movies. Like I did not like it comes at night at all. Cause there was no Me resolution. Neither. I, I, I was, it was too slow and it, it was wasn't too slow and too was nothing too at the end. Too yes. nothing. See, this one wasn't nothing at the end. At the end, she's about to fucking kill those kids. She just killed the dad. When you say like, I, I like this new realistic tone. I'm with you. A quiet place has a realistic tone. But it's also a blast of a horror movie. Oh, and it, it, 100%. It it's also a monster movie. It's a monster movie. Okay, so for me, I'm giving this a, I'm giving it a three out of five. Four and a f- out of five. Four out of five. Okay. There you go. Ivana is like 100% on board. I think this has some great bones, but it could, it could use a little speed. <laughs> Fair enough. It is, it is slow. It's slow. All right, we uh, we didn't decide what we're going to watch next week, so we've come to this part of the podcast. I don't. Well, know I I have an idea. Okay, because like I, when you mentioned that movie, Arsenic and Old Lace, I mean, yeah, I want to I want to watch this movie. Can we watch this movie? All right, it's a screwball comedy. You know me, I love to Added. screwball around with the comedies. <laughs> All right, we're going to watch uh, <laughs> Arsenic and Old Lace. It's from 1944. It's directed by Frank Capra. And uh, that will be our fu- that'll be a fun watch then. I'm excited. And that's our show, guys. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. If you'd like to support the show, you can hop on to your podcast service and subscribe. And if you're really feeling generous, why not score a quick rating or review? Our intro song comes from bensound.com and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and our sound effects. Ivana and I love hearing from you, so we built a website just so that you can reach out to us, and that is at morethemovies.net. In case you hate websites, we got our email back. Hello at morethemovies.net. And you can find us on Facebook, More Than Movies Podcast. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. And I'm at Jester J. Thanks for spending some time with us. We'll be back again soon with an all-new commercial-free episode. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more.